Well, I uh, wanted to start this morning um, by just telling a, uh, a story that was relayed to me by my very good friend, uh, Nate Young. Nate and his wife, May Lynn, have, um, uh, I've known them for the better part of 25 years, and um, for 11 of those years, they served overseas as missionaries in Turkey. Um, and Turkey is a very challenging uh, environment to, to serve in. Um, less than 1% of the population um, uh, considers themselves Christians. And Nate and Maylin were specifically working with college students and trying to start student movement, Christian student movement on campuses um, uh, in Turkey. And um, I watched them on their journey. I saw the ups and downs. I saw from afar um, the struggles. Um, by the time they got to the end of their, uh, uh, their term, the average... Um, Missionary in Turkey lasts about three years, and um, they serve for 11. And by the end of that time, you, I just knew they were worn out. They were ready for, uh, to come back to the States and be, uh, kind of rest and figure out what's, what's next. But before they came back, sort of on the way as they were coming, they um, got invited to go to this conference, um, this retreat that takes place in Switzerland um, called Breathe. And they... And, uh, they said the way it was described to them is, is this is a conference that's dedicated for missionaries who serve in some of the hardest, most difficult places around the world to come and get refreshed, to have a space to breathe. And they said, that sounds like exactly what we need. And so they said, we'll go. Well, they fly to Switzerland, and um, the location of this retreat center, uh, the folks who sort of uh, founded this conference said, we want to find the most beautiful place in the world, and that's where we want to have this conference. And that's why it was taking place in, the, in, in, in Switzerland. These beautiful mountains and rolling green hills and rivers running through it. Nate said it was just, it took your breath away how incredibly beautiful this place was. But that wasn't the best part. The best part was that the vision for this conference was there was this group of people that said, we want to come together and serve together. We want this conference to be a place where these missionaries show up and they just feel served um, and having their feet washed by Jesus. Um, and so they said when they got there, there was like uh, uh, places to send their kids. It was like a kids program. They have two young boys that are just full of energy and life. And, right, and to have a, a whole group of child care workers that had a fun program planned for their kids was just incredible. They're like, go! <laughs> right? So... They could uh, have fun and, and they could rest. There were folks that were there that um, were doctors, that were um, giving physicals and attending to folks' sort of physical needs. There were trained counselors that were there that were sitting down and listening and helping folks work through any emotional trauma or difficulty they experienced on the mission field. There were teams of prayer ministers that were there to do extended times of praying and listening to Jesus and ministering to these folks. Um, and there, there were these wonderful sessions of just musical worship where folks could gather, people who have been serving in places where to gather together with other believers and to do, worship God together was a rare occurrence. And they got to experience that um, in a wonderful way. And then there were folks bringing words of encouragement and ministering um, to these uh, folks. It was a beautiful picture of a group of believers coming together to serve together for the sake of God's kingdom. It was a profound experience, the way Nate described it, of just um, experiencing God's kingdom of grace. On a side note that's kind of fun, uh, I found out much later, this was some years ago this conference happened, that one of the folks leading worship was this young college kid um, by the name of Kyle Hahn. 
our Kyle, right? Long before we knew him, he was there with his parents ministering um, at this conference, and that was a fun connection to make. What a beautiful picture, though, of God's church flourishing, folks serving together um, so that God's kingdom could be ushered in. That was Nate and Maylin's experience. And that's our desire as a church, that we would be a church that flourishes, right? That we get to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. And as we've been preaching through this sermon series, we've been looking at some of our core values as a church that we believe if we engage in these things, it will help this church flourish. That we would be a church that's about worshiping Jesus. And that we would be a church that's about loving one another. And this morning, we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about what does it look like or what do we need to um, understand to be a church that serves together? Now, hopefully, if you've been a part of Baseline at all in any way, your experience has been one of, yeah, this is a church that serves together. Maybe you've participated in, in his steps, or you've um, participated in the traveling church that we've done um, uh, this past year and going to visit folks who can't come to church. Maybe you've helped pack boxes for Operation Christmas Child or Christmas baskets to South Central L.A. Or maybe you've showed up on a Friday night um, to help feed the homeless with Pomona Promise. This is a church that's trying to live out this value of serving together. But I think this morning God is inviting to sit with the question, how do we take a step deeper into that value? How do we let God lead us into a fuller picture of what that looks like um, for us to live it out, um, both individually and a church as a whole. And as I uh, sat with the Lord about this sermon this morning, the, the passage that he led me to is a familiar one. It's uh, John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And um, I think God has some um, things that he wants to say to us out of that passage. Now, uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's a long passage. I just want to focus in on a few um, a few phrases, um, a few points in the story um, that we want to highlight this morning. So you guys know the story. Jesus, on his final night before he was going to go uh, experience all that was going to experience in his final day of going to the cross, at the Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus does something rather unexpected. He disrobes and wraps a towel around his waist, and he gets a basin, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. He gets down in the dirt and the grime and the smell of his disciples' feet, doing a job that only the lowliest of servant of a household would perform. This is what Jesus does. And so we can understand he's going around, and then there gets this point where he gets to Peter. And Peter is just uh, shocked by what's happening. This is not something that Jesus should be doing in Peter's mind. And so Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Now, it's understandable what Peter's, you know, his reaction. This is not what Jesus should be doing. But then Jesus says something very interesting to Peter. Peter says, no, you shall never do this. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Let's just take a minute and engage this uh, this statement that Jesus makes. As you look at that on the screen, 
Why do you think Jesus says that? Or what, is, what does he mean by this? Or what feelings come up for you as you kind of consider Jesus saying these words to Peter? Uh, I know we're not usually used to doing this kind of thing, but I think it'll be fun this morning if we do it. Can we turn to a neighbor and actually discuss this for a minute? Right? Actually have a little bit of interaction. Okay? So do that. Turn to your neighbor and just sit with this and go, what do you th- why do you think Jesus says this? Or what's your reaction to hearing Jesus say that? Okay? Go for it. Okay, let me call us back together. Okay, I just want to say, I want to hear from a few of you, because it's, you know, let's have a little conversation, but I just want to say, this is not about having the right answer, okay? This is a, this is a conversation. So what were some of the things you, you guys talked about in your groups? A few folks just want to throw out some of your thoughts about why Jesus might say this, what he means by it, or what, okay? All right. Mark, you want to share something? Okay. 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 So there's something deep and meaningful that's happening. Um, in, yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. There's something about the humbling, allowing Jesus to do that for them. Great. Any other thoughts? Okay. All right. He had a point to make, and you. And in fact, maybe Peter's helping him make his point, right? By you know being Peter and like, no, it's like, well, guess what, Peter. If you don't let me do this, you have no part with me. Okay. Well, what we can say for sure is that what is happening here is essential. Okay. This is essential for his disciples to understand the meaning of what's going on. And if we just look at the words that he says, what we can say is that Peter, I mean, Jesus seems to be saying, unless I wash you, Peter, you have no part with me. In other words, unless you do this, let me do this to you, Peter. You're out. There's the door. If you don't let me serve you, if you don't receive this act of service, you cannot be a part of the team moving forward. You can't be a part of me and what this is all about. And the question then that rises to us when we hear that is why? Why is it so critical that Peter allowed Jesus to wash his feet, that Peter understand what's happening here and say yes to that instead of saying no. And I'd like to suggest there are two reasons why. The first is this, that Jesus serving us enables us to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus knows he's not just cleansing them by washing their feet. He's about ready to go to the cross where he's going to shed his blood so that Peter's sins and all of our sins can be cleansed. To reject Jesus serving us is to reject the act that he does on the cross on our behalf. It is by receiving Jesus' service as us that, that enables us to enter the 
kingdom of God. In our relationship with God, it's not what we have to offer, but rather our need to be served that gains us entrance into the kingdom. That's what Peter needs to understand. And secondly, Jesus serving us empowers us to participate in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but when it comes to serving other people, I don't naturally really love doing that. <laughs> right? That's not my normal go-to. Um, I quickly kind of run out of steam when it comes to serving others. And so Jesus is saying, you have to let me serve you. Now he goes on to say, At the end of the passage, he says this. He says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done have done for you. See, Jesus' servanthood, the way that he serves us, enables us to serve others. It enables us to participate in the work of the kingdom. A a, a story that I love uh, um, to share is um, my friend John's story of how God um, kind of sought out after him. Linda talked about those searchers, right? Well, John had a profound experience of this. He was not a follower of Jesus when he was in college, kind of far from it, right? He was sort of big-time partier and really was not that interested in God or faith. And he came home one night to his dorm floor, the, you know, his dorm room and on the floor where he lived um, from a, a party. And as he walked in, um, he noticed or could tell that something had gone on while he was gone and clearly there had been some kind of like crazy shaving cream battle um, on the floor, and so the, the whole, like the walls and the floor, there were just shaving cream everywhere. Now, you would think that John would be shocked by that, but the, given what was, goes on in college, you know, these days, and in that dorm, that wasn't that uncommon of an experience, right? And so um, John was just going to head to his room and go to sleep. But what actually caught his attention, what surprised him, was in the middle of the floor, on his, the hallway of his dorm, was Dave. Dave was a senior who lived on the floor, and Dave was kneeling, had knelt down and was cleaning up the mess. Now, John, this did not compute for John. Like, no student would do this, especially not a senior. Right? There are housekeeping staff that you know, should clean up after all this kind of stuff. Why in the world is Dave doing this? Now, what Dave didn't know is he didn't know really that, uh, or what John didn't know is that Dave was uh, a follower of Jesus. Okay. He didn't know that Dave had been a part of the InterVarsity ministry on campus and that Dave had been wanting to, uh, uh, God had been working in Dave's life and doing a deep work of transformation um, in him. But John didn't know any of those things. He just saw this guy sitting there on the floor cleaning it up. And so he walks over to Dave and he's like, why are you doing this? And Dave turns to John and he says, I'm a follower of Jesus, and Jesus is a servant. And so I'm learning how to be a servant so I can be more like Jesus. 
John was so caught off guard and so intrigued by that response that he thought to himself, I got to check out who this Jesus is. And he started going to the Bible study on the floor that Dave was leading. And by the end of that year, John himself had been rescued by Jesus. John's now a pastor in Long Beach and has uh, for the last 15 years and is an amazing disciple and follower of Jesus. I love that story. Because in Dave, who Jesus was and who Jesus is and how Jesus serves us was embodied. John got to see that. See, we don't serve because God requires it or needs us to serve. We don't serve for God. We serve to reveal God. We don't serve because of something God gets out of it. We serve because God transforms us as we say yes to the values of his kingdom. We say yes to Jesus being a servant and saying, I want my life to look like that too. And the good news is that Jesus serves us so that we can live that out. I want you to imagine, and the whole, uh, you know, this probably won't be that hard to imagine. Imagine coming home after a long day at work or whatever you're doing, and you know the kind of day, right? The kind of day where it's like nothing went right, you just feel drained, right? All you can wait is to get home, right? Have someone have a meal ready for you, right? Maybe a glass of wine in there, and then get in your pajamas and just like, I just need to, you know, relax, right? One of those kind of days where everything in you wants that. And you walk in the door, and that is not what is waiting for you, right? Right? You're, you're, uh, you're, whoever lives under your roof, spouse or family members or whatever, they have needs. They're coming to you, right? And, and all of a sudden, your, your tank is empty, and yet more is being asked of you. Okay. Now, that can happen at home. That can happen at work. Whatever situation you might be in. But I think we've all probably had that experience. Now, if you're like me, I have sort of three options that I go to in those circumstances. Number one is I check out. Nope, can't help those needs. I'm out of here, right? Let me go find some place to get my needs met. Second thing I can do is I'll act out. <sighs> Frustration, anger, whatever, you know, like, ah, I don't have anything. Stop trying to take things from me, right? You know, right? Check out or I'll act out. Um, or maybe sometimes I'll just grind it out. <sighs> you need help with your homework? Okay. Why don't you understand this? You know, right? It's like, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the little bit I have left. Ugh, it's getting squeezed out of me. But how would it be different if before we got out of the car and went in the house, we stopped and we remembered that the way that we experience the kingdom is bringing our need to Jesus? And we said, God, I am needy, I am empty. Jesus, I need you to serve me again. Will you give me what I need, what I don't have within myself? Will you supply it for me so that I can be the servant that you've called me to? How, that might be di how might that be different if we got in the practice of remembering that we have a God who serves us? What if that began to characterize all of our interactions? whether at home or at work or in our neighborhood? What if that characterized this church? That we were a church that's learned how to bring our need to Jesus. And have him pour into us so that we can uh, serve others. 
Jesus ends the um, conversation with the disciples um, about what this washing, foot washing experience is he's by th- saying this. He says, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I think this is why one of our core values of our church is that we want to be a church that serves together. We're about servanthood. We believe that God's blessing, God's movement in our lives happens as we live this out. And I particularly love that um, the emphasis is on serving together. Serving together. I think that when the body of Christ serves together, something special happens. There's something special that happens when a a community of sort of kingdom livers embody the servant heart of Jesus. Folks who have learned how instead of uh, checking out or acting out or just sort of grinding it out, have learned how to live it out and live it out together. Something special happens in those circumstances. I just want to end with a final story that I think illustrates this. This act story comes from uh, years ago when I was a college student. And um, I was a part of a faith community on my, on my college and um, was sort of eagerly trying to grow um, as a disciple of Jesus. And some friends of mine um, had, um, as they were trying to do that, they had gotten connected to a ministry at uh, the Central Juvenile Hall in, in Los Angeles. So this is like, you know, it, when I was growing up, you know, we called it juvie, right? Like that's where all the, the bad kids went um, when they screwed up and, you know, right? And it was just sort of, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a kind of a scary place, right? And um, Central Juvenile Hall, in some ways, is, is a, it's a dark place. It's a place where a lot of just kind of urban youth who have been in really tough circumstances and made some bad choices, you know, end up. And so these friends of mine started a Bible study. They would show up once a week um, at Central Juvenile Hall, and, and particularly they, they ministered in a, a wing of the juvenile hall that had kind of the, the most hardened kids, the dif- most difficult cases, folks who were waiting trial for murder or attempted murder, usually most of it gang-related. And I heard about this, that they were doing this Bible study, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But to be honest with you, I was like, I am so glad that I am not doing that. That sounds really scary and very intimidating and, you know. Um, But then the school year ended, and they were all going off to various places. But I and a few other friends, other believers, were staying on campus that summer to work. And so they came to us and said, will you guys keep the the Bible study going? And I was like, okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right? But the other folks were like, yeah, 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 let's do this. This is great. You know, and I was like, okay, Lord, all right, yeah, let's do this, right? So we start going uh, to lead this Bible study, and um, it was different than what I expected. It was during kind of their free time. The guys could do whatever they wanted, and so um, folks who wanted to come to Bible study would sort of come into our little room, and, you know, over the weeks, we'd have three or four, sometimes six or seven of these youth would come, and they were hungry for God. I think just being in such a dark space, they were just desperate for the light. But we kept running up against this barrier. Every time we did a study or had a discussion about um, living out um, our faith, 
being, you know, being servants, being kind to others, forgiving, extending grace, anything like that, their wall would go up and they would say, no, 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 you don't understand. That doesn't work in here. If you, any act of kindness will get taken for weakness and you cannot be weak in this place. And I just, we just saw that that was a barrier for them receiving more of Jesus because they could not bring their need to him. They could not admit their weakness. They could not show any sign of grace. Now, it's understandable. But our hearts were burdened. We're like, man, God, that's not right. You're bigger than this. We got, you got to bring this, bring some breakthrough, God. Show us how we can reach these kids and help them see you in the way that we see you. And so I remember we gathered to have kind of a discussion and prayer time, just the folks of us who were helping lead the study. What should we do? What should we do? And um, as we're praying, some folks really got excited about we should study John 13. But let's not just study it. Let's do it. Let's actually wash these guys' feet. And I thought to myself, that is a terrible idea. I don't, they're not going to let us do that. I mean, this is like, there's all these policies and regulations and all this kind of stuff. And besides, these guys will have no category for this. Like, they're just going to think this is weird or that we're weird or maybe they'll get offended. Or, I, you know, I just had all these objections. But because we were serving together, my doubt and lack of faith was strengthened by my brothers and sisters. And they were saying, no, we should do this. Okay. So we call, yeah, you can do it. They didn't really, you know, do what? Wash, I guess, yeah, they probably have dirty feet. Sure, go ahead, you know. So <laughs> we show up, and we bring, we bring the basin of water and the towels, and, we, and, and a group of guys show up for the study, and they're sitting around, and we pass out the passage that we're looking at and read through it, John 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We talk about it a little bit, and then we just say, okay, guys, we don't want to just study this. We want you to experience it. Take off your shoes and socks. And they looked at us like we were from another planet, right? And we're like, trust us. Just take off your shoes and socks. We want you to experience this. So they do. So they take it off, and we start coming around washing their feet. And their faces went from kind of discomfort to shock to joy. They just began to just smile just from ear to ear. As they sat back and experienced something they had never really experienced before. And in this dark place, they were experiencing the kindness and servant heart of Jesus. It was beautiful. And we got to the end and we dried off the last foot and they began to put their shoes and socks back on. We were ready to wrap it up and like have a final discussion. And they said, no, 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 no. It's our turn. And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, we, it's our turn. We get to wash. You guys take off your shoes and socks. We're going to wash your feet. And I was like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> right? This is just for you. And they said, no, we want you to experience this too. This was so amazing. You guys need to experience this too. And in that moment, I just realized God is here. God's light has broken forth into this dark place. And we sat back and watched these 16 and 17-year-old gang members who are on trial for these terrible crimes, experiencing the kingdom of God and washing our feet. It was a holy moment. I think those are the special kinds of things that can happen 
when believers gather together to serve together. Not to just do a bunch of stuff, but to seek God and discern, God, how do you want to work in our midst? Who is it you're calling us to serve? How do we live out um, your purposes? If it had just been me, or that experience wouldn't have happened. If it had just been Kyle leading worship in Switzerland, that experience wouldn't have happened. The really special stuff comes when there's people serving together. I really believe that as a church, not just me, the leadership, as we've been talking, we really sense that God is leading us into a season of seeking him as a church with the question of, God, how do you want us to go deeper in serving together? We don't want to just be a church that just does a bunch of stuff, but we want to be a church that is aligned with your purposes. Where are you leading us, God? And how can we say yes to that? That's not a question easily answered, and I think it's going to take some time, but I just wanted to highlight, I think that's where we're headed as Baseline Community Church. We're entering into a season of seeking God together and listening for how he's calling us to serve. So be ready, you know, that's coming. Coming in the next month or two. Ways that we'll be living that out. Well, as I close, I just want to, Leave us with a, a final, like, okay, how do, we, how do we grow in this, right? And it's really simple, I think. I think we practice. I think we practice. So that's my encouragement to us, is that um, in the coming days and weeks, practice receiving from Jesus. Practice having those moments with him in the car and says, Jesus, I've run out. Will you fill me up? Rec- Practice having the humility to recognize when we're just grinding on our own strength and we need a supernatural infusion of the strength of God. Practice receiving from Jesus. It's key. Secondly, we can practice serving. We've got lots of opportunities here at the church to serve. If you, if you, this is a great practice field. Linda shared some of those things uh, this morning. There's lots of places you can plug in and serve, but it doesn't have to be limited to church. You know? Practice serving at home. Practice serving at work. Practice serving in your community. We could all learn a lot from Dave. Right? Jesus serves us, so I'm learning to serve so that I can be more like Jesus. We've got to practice. And then lastly, You can be listening. Practice listening to God for how, as a community, we can serve together. Where are the places that God wants to lead us? How does he want to align us more deeply with his purposes for our church? Amen? Amen. Let me go ahead and pray for us and just invite the worship team to come up. Jesus, thank you that you are a God who serves us. Oh, we need it so much, Jesus. Jesus, lead us into the humility that recognizes our need. Help us to be people who ask for help from you. And help us to be a church in a deeper way that lives out the call to be servants and to serve together. We love you, Lord. Amen.